Welcome to the Art Song Podcast. My name is Daniela Theresia, and I'm a mezzo-soprano, and I'm joined by my friend and pianist, Suzanne Yeo, for an episode of our Eternal Feminine series. This set of podcasts was inspired by my concert series called The Eternal Feminine, which expresses the feminine perspective through women's words and music. In the past, we've explored themes like love, relationships, motherhood, loss, and one's purpose in life. We've done this by performing pieces either based on female characters or pieces with a female composer or poet. For the Eternal Feminine podcast series, we've decided to focus on female composers and poets in order to bring these women into a modern context. Some of these women are not very well known, and we wanted to recognize them for their works, as well as bring the art song genre to a larger audience. So thank you for joining us for a very unique episode of our Eternal Feminine podcast series. Um, today, we are actually speaking with a relative of our featured composer, Amis Calverly. Now, we originally found Miss Calverly as we were researching Canadian women composers um, whose works were in the public domain. And we were looking through the Canadian Music Libraries, uh, the Canadian Music Centre's library, and we found a number of works by, by her in their collection. And so we purchased a copy of Cradle Song, which we will be re recording for this. So we began to research uh, Miss Calverly, and we found out that she lived most of her life here in Oakville, which is where I live. And so with some further digging, we discovered that she still has relatives in the area. And so today we're very fortunate to be speaking with Miss Calverly's niece, Sybil Rampin, who is herself an artist and teacher and author. Um, she founded the Joshua Creek Heritage Arts Center here in Oakville. And you've even been featured in a few documentaries, I think. <laughs> so welcome, Sybil, to our humble podcast. And we're very grateful and feel very fortunate to be speaking with you today. Maybe to begin with, could you tell us a bit more about um, Amos Calverly's family? So we know that there's been multiple generations of artistic people in your family. Was she the first musician? I was thinking about that, but actually my grandmother was a whistler. Oh, her sister was a Bach. Oh. She sang Bach. Oh, Bach. Yeah. Bach. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And her great grandmother, she was the wife of, of Osbert Salvin, who was the uh, editor of sixty-five books on the uh, on Central America called the Biologia Centrale Central America. Right. She was also a pianist. Okay. Okay. Oh. That. So the family have been quite musical. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds but, like it. And, very, and I was very encouraged once I gave a concert, but now I don't play at all. But <laughs> so it's quite a it's quite a, an, a musical and artistic heritage in the family. And it my father like. loved music; it was very mm -hmm. important to him. Mm -hmm. So Amos actually um, was very lazy, and my mother, who was the governess, <laughs> said she would be playing scales, but she was actually reading a book. <laughs> 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 I 
quite a lot of her music was written when she studied with Healy Willen. Mm-hmm. But it was a miracle that she had a scholarship to London. And mm-hmm. she really worked very, very hard with Vaughan William. But right. she, she had to support herself. And you can't support yourself by being a composer. Mm-hmm. So that's when she got a job using her art. That was her right. other thing. She, she spoke many languages, I think 27. And she, and she was an incredible artist. Her mother was an artist and trained her. And she got a job illustrating a book at the Griffith Institute for Professor Child. And this led into getting an opportunity to go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, in, and she replaced a woman who'd had a nervous breakdown because of the isolation. And she was supposed oh. to close up the camp which was a mm-hmm. mile in the desert. But Rockefeller came along and he became very interested in her as a person. And he offered to fund a huge project of, of copying all the um, frescoes in this wonderful tomb. Right. In mm-hmm. conjunction with the Oriental Institute of Chicago. So that became her life's work. So mm-hmm. she never gave up her music. Mm-hmm. She had a clavichord made so she could take oh. it into the temple and it had gold oh. strings. It was small. I used to play, she let me play on it. And it <laughs> like, oh. But she would play in the temple on her wow. top of there. <laughs> she has a huge collection of, of musical instruments, Greek ones, funny ones, flutes and all kinds of funny things. Hmm. My aunt had a Brahms, incredible Brahms Steinway composer oh. piano. Very special. Yeah. He had a big wide bench so you could sit on. He must have been a fat man. So it was <laughs> wide bench for Brahms. I used, to, I used to play on it. It was very beautiful. Oh, wow. cool. That's amazing. Uh, Calverly is primarily known for her work in Egyptology and also she did a lot of humanitarian work, it seems. Um, but how, how did she view her music? Was she still composing? After she did her work in Egypt, or was she solely she focused make, on that? She made little legends and spent Christmas cards with little musical songs in them. So oh, I have, nice. Oh, yeah. Music. And in her loft, her she had very wonderful uh, recording so she could listen to music. She spent a long, her life of, was, music was her first love. Mm-hmm. She had to earn her living and then... Right. Through her Egyptology, she met kings and queens and princesses. <laughs> and in Greece, she was invited. She, her friends were invited to the palace to have dinner with the king and queen. Oh, she said, I'll come along. Oh, well, you don't have an evening gown. Oh, yes, I do. So she trotted off and had dinner with the king and queen. And they got rid of everybody but my aunt. And they kept her on just because they were so fascinating. <laughs> She oh. was a fascinating, incredible woman with courage beyond belief. Her father had a photographic mind, and she mm-hmm. had a photographic mind and an incredible ear. Mm-hmm. But she could be pretty rotten sometimes. She actually wrote a letter to my parents saying, Sybil has no talent. Bring her home and get her to work. But I loved her so much. And when she died, I, I almost had a breakdown because I couldn't believe mm-hmm. I'd never told her how much I loved her. Oh. And that made me sad. Mm-hmm. She was my greatest inspiration. 
Mm-hmm. So I studied art and archaeology, and I have spent 50 years collecting all her material together and trying to write a book about her. And I put all her musical stuff in this music center for protection because I didn't want it to get lost. Mm-hmm. I think I still own it, though. They, they are guardians of it. Mm-hmm. She did write a huge opera. Yeah, that was one of our questions. Is yeah. um, we've seen references to this opera, but it's we didn't see there. it in the in the music center's catalog. Well, I think it's there because they have it, but it weighs okay. fifty pounds, and it's called Hell. And I took it to an expert, and he said she killed off the heroine in the first act, which wasn't too clever. <laughs> <laughs> but it did have some very lovely pieces of music. The musicality was lovely. And I wonder if it's if they just haven't been able to to scan it in since it's such a big oh, work. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> but she actually, in her will, left it to Service Macmillan, who was her dearest friend. Mm-hmm. But he didn't um. want it. <laughs> so I it. So I felt the best place for everything. The music stuff was. They're lovely people, and I felt it would be safe there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great resource. Did she keep any records of, of how she was writing her music? Like, we think that probably the text for Cradle Song was she wrote herself. She wrote poetry. Uh-huh. She was a tremendous writer. She also was very scientific in her writing, but she was also very romantic in her mm-hmm. And I do have a file filled with her poetry. Wow. You can't okay. even look oh. at, at see her poetry. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything she couldn't do. But I was delighted to discover there were two things made her human. She was terrified of spiders. (laughs) And she got seasick. (laughs) (laughs) She also loved men. And she was engaged three times. Oh, wow. (laughs) And before she was 31, she'd had 19 proposals because she was quite beautiful. But my mother said she was definitely not marriage material. (laughs) (laughs) She sounds like a free spirit to me. (laughs) I think she was sad. She would have loved to have had children. But I think she was a person who had to follow her passion, which was music and art and saving the world and folk art and adventure and courage. She was an extraordinary, incredible woman. Mm-hmm. She had a huge influence on me. It sounds like it. And it I kind like of it. ended up with her, with her house, even though I had three brothers and a sister. And it was fairly accidental how it happened, but I'm sure she was managing things from heaven to make sure, because I was the only one equipped to deal with any of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Your brothers were veterinarians and sisters a nurse, and nobody was very interested in hmm. artistic stuff except mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing my best. I'm still working on her. I have two women who are working on the files once a week. They still come in slowly working through drawers of them. Wow. I think I read that, that there's actually some of her, um, I guess, belongings are at the Joshua Creek Center. Is that right? Yeah, they're all here. Yes. Okay, okay. Oh, that's where you are right now, is there? No, I'm in the house. So oh, okay, okay. The actual center is an 1827 barn. 
and it's a gallery mm -hmm. and it has sort of reception rooms so we can have weddings and things and upstairs is the library and, it, oh, and, okay. I, and I had to sell her house mm -hmm. I thought I took six dumpsters of garbage but I kept all her total collection was transported including a 1797 Broadwood piano that's <laughs> oh, wow. by Dr. Brick Griffiths so it's, it, and she once had it playable and Sir Ernest McMillan and Ira Hess, somebody Hess, I think, played on it. It was quite an extraordinary concert. Mm -hmm. We read that she had salons at her house. Do you have any memories of those? She died. She, I think she died because of a concert. She invited Mae Mewkley, who was a very well-known cellist mm -hmm. from England, and she organized that she would have a concert at Appleby and also in her loft, because she laid out, she could put, a, she had a hundred chairs so people could sit on, like wings. Of her. And she rolled up all the carpets for the concert and then she took May Mukli over to Appleby for her concert and then she fell over with an aneurysm. Oh goodness. Oh no. Oh. Yeah, so I thought it was the wrong thing to be rolling up carpets. But she was very lucky that she was able to live through what she lived through. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, she really was amazing woman when I had a broken leg she would put me in front of her clavicord cord and, and drawers from her treasure chests to play with. That's such a treat. Mm -hmm. So I have wonderful memories of her. Yeah. It, yeah. Appreciation. Mm -hmm. And I feel very responsible. I feel that she's entrusted me with her collection, which is enormous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up? Because for instance, Rockefeller was, was among her friends, but what was it like growing up in that kind of atmosphere? You know, were you aware of, of well, her fame, I guess, when, when you were young? Well, she, she we disappeared and my father would get quite worried about her. My mother would shrug her shoulders and say, no, she's Amos, you can't do a thing about it. <laughs> to have it. She would suddenly arrive with a huge mountain of treasures, including sugarcane sticks, so mm. it's full of sugarcane sticks, but incredible things that she gathered. She, she, just as the war started, she, was, she drove from Egypt to England, and Princess Babesco gave her a, a letter of introduction to the Romanians, and she collected 800 pieces of Romanian embroidery, which she gave to the Rome because the war was coming and she knew it would be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Every frontier, mm -hmm. as the war started, yet yeah, no, it she whizzed through and she got to England three days before the war started. Wow. And all that material is at the wrong, but they've hidden it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see there was, um, there was a donation from her to the, to the wrong. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. She's fascinated by things of beauty, by folk art, by wonderful people. She just was extraordinary mm -hmm. aunt and makes you feel sort of inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> she felt that we were farm children. We were farmed. I was a farm child with bare feet and mud and cows. And so the contrast of being a farm child and also having this amazing aunt, I sort of had two worlds that I existed in. Mm -hmm. and, because I, and I studied art and archaeology because of her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, 
she she was my mentor. And I hope you stay nicely for her. Yes, <laughs> we'll do our best. It's a it's a lovely little piece, the, the one that we've chosen. It's just very sweet. You know, the Eternal Feminine concert series that I started was supposed to be women's perspectives on different different aspects of our lives. And so obviously lullabies is a huge part of being a woman and mother. And um, so it just seemed perfect to end our series with, how can our listeners find out more about Ms. Calverly's life and works? You said you're working on a, a book, hopefully you know, sometime. I hope, you know, I'm 91, but I've been working on it for 50 years. I think you shared a, a wealth of information just <laughs> It's nice to hear, we like to share, you know, kind of behind the scenes with our listeners, things that you don't read in the normal biographies. And so this is a very rare treat for us. And so I guess we'll, we'll close and want to thank you so much, Sybil, for sharing your time and your memories with us. And thank you. Um, yes, and we will send you a link as soon as this is up on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Show. Thank you. See All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Suzanne and I really enjoyed speaking to Sybil Rampant about her aunt, Amos Calverley. Amos Calverley's works are relatively unknown and very few have been recorded. Um, we actually think that our performance of Cradle Song may be the first of its kind. So we hope that you enjoy Amos Calverley's Cradle Song. Baby! <laughs>
I really love this piece, and I think that it shows Calverley's sensitivity both as a composer and as a poet. If you'd like to learn more about Amos Calverley, please visit our website, artsong-podcast.com, where you'll find a dedicated page to her under episodes. We've also posted the full video interview with Sybil Rampin on our website, which we hope you will enjoy. If you'd like to hear Suzanne and me performing more works, we are currently planning an online concert for early next year, as well as recording and researching repertoire for future podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, which you can also do on our website, to receive updates from us. And this concludes our Eternal Feminine series here on the Art Song Podcast. I'm Daniela Theresia, and today I spoke with Suzanne Yeo and Sybil Rampin about Amos Calverley. Thank you for listening.